的。Ken Miller, Trent Condon, they are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Thursday on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you for the next couple of hours and talking sports with you. And glad to be here, Trent Condon and myself. Uh, busy show lined up today, this, particularly the final hour of the program, as we're going to do a lot on the NFL. We'll do some uh, Iowa basketball in the first hour of the program. We're going to do a lot on the Big 12. Uh, Pete Mundo, Heartland Sports, joins us, and he will follow Mitch Sherman from ESPN.com. So, busy guest list today. We're going to cover a lot of ground, cover a lot of sports, and localize it as best as we possibly can. We'll talk a lot about West Virginia, Iowa State last night as Iowa State lays a whooping on the Mountaineers as they took care of business, putting it mildly. Trent Condon, you've been taking care of business more so at home. So update the folks. You got a lot of suggestions on how to look after your frozen pipe yesterday. Apparently, then none of them worked. No, no, it was uh, a burst pipe here at about oh eight fifteen or so this morning. Made it through the night though, which is, I guess, if there is a silver lining. Sure. Luckily, uh, late start for Des Moines Public Schools. My wife a teacher, so she was home it when was, it hit the fan. When it hit the fan, <laughs> not uh, laughing at you. You know, got to turn off the water. So now, if I would have went home for lunch today, and it would have been going mm. for four or five hours. Yeah, brutal. That would have been bad. Well, so it could have been worse, I guess, is where we're going. It could have been worse, and that's why we have insurance, right? Indeed. Um, I'm just going to give you a little tip. Maybe you know this. It seems like home insurance, like your car insurance, I know my deductible. (laughs) My home insurance, I have no idea what it is, and it's always a surprise. It's usually way more than you thought it would be. Anyways, we move on. Feel bad for you, uh, but help is on the way. We hope. Um, So you need insurance before you can actually get anything fixed? Pretty much, yeah. So no water in the Condon Casino. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Until, yeah. It's funny uh, because last night I'm looking at my Twitter feed and I'm seeing, you know, you posting, was that that was Donald Duck who was going through his money? Yes, yes. The 3-0 night last night. 3-0 So help me out with this before we get into Iowa State. Sure. I know they were one of the games. Uh, what kind of racket have you got going on here? Are you selling those picks? Is that what that's yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. At one low price. You can get five picks for three ninety five. $3.95. How can you sell them so low? Well, when you're uh, off to the start, I was in basketball. That's the reason. No, it's... Uh, Sports Bet Collective is the name of the website, yeah. and this guy contacted me right before football season, said they're just looking for some people, write a little write-up about teams that you know. So you cover the Iowa teams? The in-state schools. Yeah. For football, it was Iowa State and Iowa. If I had to play something I liked, I did it. Didn't have to, mm-hmm. but if I liked, I did, and went 60% in college. Can't beat that. Your, your customers were, were more than rewarded. Yes. And now basketball doing the same and won four out of five on the basketball front, including 3-0 and last night. Handed out Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy winner in the end. Yeah, it was. Ran away. Handed out Illinois State. Mm-hmm. Not only did they cover, they won outright yep. against Drake. And you and I getting 10. But uh, speaking of that game, so you and I is down by three, have to foul. Loyola makes one to two free throws. It's over. You know, a couple seconds uh-huh. left. Panthers hit a three at the horn, make it a one-point game. The total, though, 61-60, the final. 
total is 120. Isn't that something? How do they know? It's amazing. How do they it's, know? It's math, and boy, did they ever did they ever know this year? The casinos, I just saw a report, uh, statewide Nevada, race and sports profited over $5 billion, which was an Oof. all-time record. You know, we're seeing all these states have uh, uh, pop up with sports wagering. I, it's, mm-hmm. it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen that people are going to give up a trip to Vegas because I want to go to wherever, right? I mean, there's so Bluts. much more. Yeah, there's so much more to do in Vegas. Uh, it's more than just, you know, if you haven't been there in a long time, it's, it's, it's a wonderful place to go. I can't go there all the time. Not for everybody. I get it. Mm-hmm. And don't spend more than two or three days there because uh, you run out of steam. Well, the clones didn't run out of steam, Trent. In fact, they were able to go to their bench uh, at, at the end of the basketball game. Bob Huggins, uh, I'm assuming there's a monitor in the locker room, so he was able to see the end of the game uh, watching that as he didn't see the end of the game on the floor. Uh, he's right. The, the officiating was was subpar, but for both teams, yeah, uh, for both teams, I'm shocked, honestly, that Twitter didn't pick up on the Lindell Wigington when when McCabe flopped and and Wigington. He didn't know he was looking right into the camera, but they mm-hmm. had a close up uh, of him telling the official he flopped. He flopped. So I, you know, Directv went backwards. Trent, this one is this one would make Ryan Creener proud. <laughs> Remember Creener's flop from a couple yes, of weeks ago? Yes. And, and I have not seen anybody that's found it and put it on as a GIF or, what's the other word? M-E-M-E. Meme? Meme. Um, I haven't seen it anywhere, but that was, I hate players that play like that. You know what? Yeah. Play the damn game. Mm-hmm. Play the damn game. If you're not good enough to be on the floor, then you know what? I just, the coach shouldn't be putting you out there. It's just, it's, it's not gamesmanship. I've never understood that. I've never understood guys in, in any sport that go out of their way to, you know, to flop. And, and as blatantly as he did. And the officials, of course, par for the course, mm-hmm. they lit up Wigington. I'm not complaining about, you know, the officials got one wrong. I mean, it's just it's the flop. You know what got more play last night was him looking over at the bench and telling him, They can't guard me? Get this guy off me. Because he can't guard me. Uh, right, right. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was like Royce White against Kentucky. Yes. When he looked at the, and again, he, they, they picked him up, and mm-hmm. I'm the best player on the floor. And he was right. He was right. Absolutely. And there was some talent on that team. Uh, it's putting it mild. Well, it's Kentucky. There is every year. But, uh, but yeah, I love those when the camera catches guys in the heat action. But I hate when I hate the flopping bit. So Lindell Wagenton was the best player on the floor oh, last night. Without a doubt, Trent. That was his best game I've seen, and certainly this year, right? Is he back? Well, and if he is, what do you do with him? I mean, it's working what, what Prome is doing right it now. It is. It is. I mean, why, why would you... Why rock the boat? Why create something when it doesn't need to? And and we've talked to you, both Dylan Montz and Alex Halstead, about this. They both felt like it was inevitable. That it was going to happen. Right. And it felt like sooner rather than mm-hmm. later, and it still hasn't happened. And he played awful at Kansas and thought, you know, here's an opportunity. They're, they're out of conference play. Mm-hmm. Let's maybe light a spark for the kid, take him to Oxford, start him against Old Miss. Didn't happen. Played well there. Played very well there. Came back to, back to Big 12, played well. Maybe it'll happen in front of the home folks. Didn't. I don't, you know what? Maybe, maybe we're, and, and Prohm has said repeatedly, look, this is only a story for you, meaning the media. Yeah. This isn't really a big story inside our locker room. Outside of getting your name called in the starting lineup mm-hmm. and being able to do chest bumps and a couple of handshakes with guys coming out there, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It matters who's playing the last five minutes yep. of the game. It's who's there in crunch time, who is getting a majority of the minutes. And that's the most important part here. I think it is an on story.
Yeah, I'm starting the, to think it is too. And, and it might become a story if he does get inserted in because... But why would you do... What circumstances would lead you to... Now, I get it's West Virginia. They're the worst team in the Big 12 this mm-hmm. year. Although they have a win over Kansas. But they're the worst team. But that's this, the only one. That that's the have. only one, right? This is not a typical Bob Huggins team. And boy, his quotes after the uh, game last night. If his team doesn't see what... Uh, and, and take that to heart. I mean, he didn't hold back. Good we for him. We suck. That's yes. a direct quote. Yes, we suck. And it would, would it, and I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, would it kill? Would it kill our guys to throw it to the guys in the same kind of shirt, same color shirts? <laughs> um, how many turnovers did they have last night? Nineteen. <laughs> yeah, fair point. I enjoy. Although Iowa hugs. State was coming off a nineteen turnover game uh, in Oxford the other and, day, and you could tell early on. It seemed like there was a very concerted effort. Keep turnovers mm-hmm. low. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're making the pass. Make sure that was a locked in team from the get go. Yeah. And West Virginia. Hung around a mm-hmm. couple of times in the second half, made little mini runs, but every time Iowa State was well, right with there. West in particular, I mean, he hit a yeah. bunch of big threes. He was five for seven from three last night. Disappointing shooting night for Michael Jacobs. Somebody did a lot of other things. I mean, when he got to the free throw line, he was four for four there. The team overall was just under ninety percent, shooting twenty nine to thirty three from the three free throw lines. Trent, there was find a negative. Coaches always want to find that one negative. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, while they're praising him one minute, they can you know but tap the breaks a little bit here guys we got this you know we're not real happy with this didn't shoot it particularly well from three but i don't know how you can you know that's i don't think that's coachable um what, what what's prone gonna nitpick at today i don't think there's much you can yeah, i don't think there is either he was able to play some guys zaran tally got Zoran. more run than yeah, we've what seen was in a up long with that, time that you think is that just a matchup uh, perhaps or keep I, him engaged knowing maybe? that maybe you need him going forward mm-hmm. you want to Mm-hmm. Hey, you're locked in here. We're going to need you over this final month. And they needed him last year, Trent, and he responded. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the Swiss Army knife last year, asked to do a lot of things, whether it be bringing the ball up the floor or whatever. He was uh, willing to fill that role. Uh, Lard had foul trouble last night, but he was really effective when he was on the floor. You know, the foul trouble games that we've seen from him out of the past, um, he wouldn't. his head would, would leave the basketball game. Wasn't the case last night, I didn't think. And an aggressive Cam Lard, when he knows... I don't have to stay on the floor for 25 minutes a game. But I come in, I play aggressively. Not dumb. Mm-hmm. Not not just fouling for the sake of fouling. But if a guy's going to the rim, you're going to make him pay. Mm-hmm. To have that kind of guy yes. coming off the bench Absolutely. and with the talent to go along with it, it's a great thing to have in your back pocket for Prome. And so many other weapons, too. You know, George Conner, we've seen play yep. at a high level. We've seen Terrence Lewis knock down some shots this year. They can go deeper if need be. You know what it's going to be, you know, the, the standard six guys for a majority of the minutes. But there's other pieces, other matchups they can play mm-hmm. with. Ten games left. Yeah. How about that? Texas they're, on uh, Saturday, 1 o'clock tip. They're in really good shape. They're in real good shape, Trent. But now there is um, now there is a realistic opportunity here to, you know, to pick off a, a league title. Slay the dragon. It absolutely is. There, there's no doubt about it. One and one against Kansas, so they don't have a tiebreaker against you. Mm-hmm. That's why I still look, keep looking at that game in Manhattan in uh, the middle of February because K-State picked, you, picked them off, as we know, uh, at Hilton. And you'd hate to, you know, to finish with the same record as them, but... They you know, got the tiebreaker. They got the tiebreaker. K State, and they got some. I don't think they're great, but they've got enough guys on that team that they can do that on any given night. Wigington was great. I'm with you. Let's just um, don't. It, it, it doesn't. You don't need uh, to do anything different. Steve Prom is working. Keep him coming off the bench at this point. And I was an advocate of inserting him. I yeah. was dead wrong. Dead wrong. Um, Keep doing what you're doing. This is a non-story. It's a media-driven story. So yesterday we were talking with Alex Halstead previewing the game. 
and I brought up to Alex, who's the MVP of this team. Mm-hmm. I also put it out on Twitter on our... I saw that. I think that's our first Twitter poll, trend. Yes, our, our Twitter account, at Miller and Condon, is where you can find us, and... I was shocked. Do we have a sponsor for that yet? Not yet. Because I believe our Twitter poll would be the only unsponsored one in the oh, building. Oh, yes. Well, that's a good idea. We will we will get out and about and start working Mr. on that. Mr. Salesperson. <laughs> uh, I was shocked, though, by the result. What was the result? So I put Who four Who were the options. names you put? Nick Weiler-Babb. Yeah, the my guy. Tyrese Halliburton. Uh-huh. Marielle Shayok. Yeah. And Michael Jacobson. Well, the right answer is Shayok. But I'm assuming that that wasn't the answer if you were shocked. So the, so what the poll told us, it was, it was Halliburton? It was Shayok. That's the right answer. But I was shocked at how the results turned out. Okay. Over 1,100 votes. Mm-hmm. 82%. Really? Voted for Shayok. I thought it would be much tighter than that. Well, he's the leading scorer in the conference. He is. Um, and he was really good again last yes, night. What's his weakness? Because he'll guard you. He will. Ball handling, is he a little loose with the handles at times? Saw him take one the length of the floor last night yeah. and, and, and go around McCabe and, and, and drop it in. I think those were his final two points of the night. It's tough to poke holes in Shayok's game, I think. I guess that would be about the only okay. thing. Assist rate isn't great. Uh-huh. So, so who finished second in the pool? Halliburton? Ty- Halliburton was yeah. second. Then Weiler Babb, and then my guy Michael Jacobson. Yeah, uh, look, Jacobson was the MVP of the non-conference portion of the schedule. I would think mm-hmm. if, we, if we'd have done this, well, we weren't here then, right? Right. <laughs> right. If we would have done this, then we would have had four votes. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, but it's the way it is. It's the way the way it is. All right. Uh, so we've got Mitch uh, Sherman coming up. ESPN.com. Pete Mundo uh, from Heartland College Sports. We couldn't get our guy Matt Postens today, so we got his boss. Right? Isn't this Mundo's site? It Martin? is. Yeah. Pete he's Mundo. The right, he's, he writes the checks. He does. HeartlandCollegeSports.com. I know a lot of Iowa State fans. I see their comments from time to time. A lot of uh, Iowa State fans there. Does a great job, and it's it's good to get that independent vibe of, yes, of a website. Absolutely. And somebody that isn't beholden to anything. Mm-hmm. Pete, for a long time, he did updates on CBS Sports Radio, and now he's back here in Big 12 territory, living down in Kansas City, doing AM radio down there. So, is he doing what? Is he doing, does he have his own talk show? Is he, he an does, update yeah. guy? No, he's a news guy down there, does oh, a, news guy. a news talk show in the mornings on KMO, something like that, no, no KCMO. Idea. Pretty good-sized station down there, yeah. but he does the uh, the morning gig down there, and then also talks Big, Sw- Big 12 football and basketball. And he'll do that with us coming up here at about 10.45. Mitch Sherman coming up in uh, about 10 minutes or so. Uh, John Perry is the uh, head referee. He'll wear the white hat on Sunday. Help me out, John Perry. That's not one that jumps when you He's a relatively the... new official. Um, I mean, all the officials that we, that we know their first name for the most part, um, retired. You know, you you can hear them on one of the networks, or um, they they're just they're no longer at hockey league. I don't know what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. His kid's got one of the white hats. But John Perry, if you saw a picture of him, you would recognize him. But where I wanted to go with him, uh, with with just this point, the pressure on this officiating crew. This yeah, there's pressure on the Rams. There's pressure pressure on the Patriots. Although you wouldn't know it with the Patriots particularly. But can you imagine the pressure, especially on the heels of the NFC and that and the. Um, and the officials have not had a good year overall. No. We're talking about the Super Bowl here. Pressure on John Perry and his crew over the top. With pass interference. With everything. With what 
basically the NFL turned into for the last week and a half. It was an indictment on the league. Mm-hmm. Now, Roger Goodell, particularly behind. who didn't do, who I, I guess made a fool of himself yesterday by what he would not answer. And the fact that I guess the the microphone people in the crowd, you know, that are circulating, mm-hmm. they would get your affiliation first, apparently, and they would get clearance. Wow. Uh, Trent Condon, KXNO Des Moines. Okay, Trent, stand by. We've got Trent Condon coming up who's got a question. On. So quick Google search. Yeah, quick, uh, you know, move on. And then they would, if it was a no for you, oh, Trent, we've got to come back to somebody else type of thing. Mm. So they I'm going to guess Barstool didn't get any of their I'm not even sure they questions. got in. Probably not. You're right. Not even sure they got Because they were the ones that, um, they made, I mean, look at mission accomplished for them. Yes. They get their clicks. Yep. It's an odd industry where, where this where this entire industry is Going, I think. I'm yep. not sure it's for the better either. I'm really and truly not. I I know I'm 60. I know I'm old school. I'm not the demographic that anybody cares about anymore, sadly, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the reasons I'm really glad we're back on the air because there's a whole bunch of people that are now my age that have been listening to mm-hmm. sports talk in Des Moines for a long time. Um, but mission accomplished, I get, right? They got yes. everything that they wanted to. They were marched up by security. They put that up on their Twitter account. They asked questions that were completely out of nowhere. Uh, it had nothing to do with football for the most part, um, but got a lot of clicks. Create a buzz. And you said yesterday when you were talking about Bill Simmons and, and mm-hmm. how he's been able to monetize his podcast in a click world, and they're making money hand over fist. $15 million. At Barstool. I mean, at, uh, at uh, what, what's Bill Simmons? Grantland. Grantland. Um, so what's Barstool? Oh, no, the Ringer. He's the Grantland, Ringer. Grantland's the old one. Okay, the Ringer. Uh, what's Barstool making? Any idea? Millions. Millions. Yeah. I think it was estimated something like, I think, $3 million, I thought I saw Is something that a fact? Yeah. And so, and there's basically only two of them? Weren't well, they no, the ones they, that... they have a ton of people now under that umbrella. Okay. But yeah. there's two guys, that, and what, didn't one of them before a game at Kinnick eat Casey's Pizza? Yeah, I think that's Is the that guy the from guy? Chicago. Dan? I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. But the I other thought... guy is pro football talk commentator. That's what he goes by. PFT commentator. Okay, and there's one more, too. There's Big Cat Barstool or something. Barstool. Big Cat is who I think I was. Yeah. It, there's a ton of these guys. I mean, it's... In fact, one of their main guys Yeah, that's kind of part of that main group... of the. Uh, the so these guys own the site as well? Well, I don't know about that. And, and they've got his channel on Sirius XM now. Yes, yes. But one of the guys oh. is an Iowa guy, and his name's Trent, and it's not me. Wow. Yeah. University of Iowa guy, mm-hmm. and... So was it him eating the pizza before the game? Could have been. I don't remember. I just remember. That's the first time I'd ever heard of him. And I was blown away by how much reaction a guy eating a piece of pizza was getting. I thought, where did I miss this boat, right? Uh, We'll take a timeout. Mitch Sherman joins the program next, ESPN.com. We'll do Big Ten with Mitch basketball and football. He's based in Omaha, so I'm guessing we'll do a lot on Bill Moose, Mm. right? Do a lot on Tim Miles. I'll do some stuff on a Big Ten football. We'll do the same uh, with Pete Mundo on the Big 12 at 1045. Uh, Wade Looking Bill is going to join us as we will preview. wanted to get Wade. He's, uh, he wasn't available to join us tomorrow. And it, Honestly, we're packed, as you know, yes. with a bunch of Super Bowl guests tomorrow. Uh, so I want to get Wade in here. Then we're going to have Lee Sterling. He's a Paramount Sports National Handicapper. He's back on KXNO with his Super Bowl stuff. And then uh, we'll go live to Atlanta with Vinny Iyer. Trent and I are here until noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. 
This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. We don't get enough banjo bumps, Trent Condon. I've always said that. Yeah, I know you like it. <laughs> Country Let's boy. Mitch Sherman, ESPN.com. Uh, Trent and I are here until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, and let's welcome back Mitch Sherman to the airwaves. Mitch, Trent, and Ken, how are you? I am well, Trent and Ken. How are you guys? Doing well. You know, I'm glad uh, we saw all the Bill Moose uh, um, news from this past week. Of course, Nebraska basketball going through a rough stretch right now. Copeland lost for the year. But this Moose story, to me... Uh, here we are at the end of January, kind of, uh, at least to a lot of people, came out of nowhere that the, I'm not even sure I have the, the entity right, the Board of Regents is what I'll call them, but came out and had to, correct. Uh, thank you, I had to come out and, um, you know, a vote of confidence of all things kind of caught everybody off guard. Then the, you know, the next day it came out that apparently there were some people that thought that uh, uh, alcohol was a problem with Bill Moose. That was an odd, odd story. Is the story been kind of put to bed now, Mitch? I think for now, and we'll see if it comes back up. I guess if there's any truth to those rumors that were uh, abound here over, you know, they they, they gained a lot of steam in the last week or so. Um, There had been some... uh, you know, suggestions that there were issues with Bill Moose that went back even to the football season. Hard to say if any of it was based in fact. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't think there are other people in my position in the media who really have um, a great sense of whether it was completely unfounded or if there is a morsel of truth to this or if there's more than a morsel of truth. It was. Um, the Board of Regents is, in fact, the entity that oversees the university system. It was the university system president, Hank Bounds, and then the chancellor of the Lincoln campus, uh, Ronnie Green, who put out the statement um, a couple of days ago to, in support of Moose. And that was in response to some media inquiries about Moose's job security, or basically whether he was going to get fired, because that mm-hmm. that was... In the rumor mill. It's very odd, very weird that the highest officials at the university would feel compelled to put out a statement like that in response to what they're saying are unfounded speculation. Um, And, yeah, it was about some alcohol use. There was a rumor or there was talk of an incident um, that occurred in Moose's suite at the Wisconsin game in Madison last October. Um, and, you know, if it's all completely made up, and that's what Bill Moose said, says there's no truth to any of this, he's a man of the people, he goes out, enjoys a drink now and then with the uh, Nebraska constituency, but it's nothing more than that. There's no problem. Um, he has the support, clearly, of the leaders above him, or so they say. He has the support of the coaches beneath him. According to him, um, there's been nothing to dispute that uh, said by any of these parties. So I guess, uh, yeah, we're sitting here in Nebraska wondering if, uh, if in fact, this was all made up. Who made it up and why? Right, that's exactly it. Who has the axe to grind with Bill Moose? That's uh, Because, obviously, the story got out there. Now, there, there was, I don't think, and you would know more than that, I don't want to say a credible media outlet because I, we're in a dot-com era now, um, but there was none of the, you know, the, the Lincoln Journal Star, the World Herald, or ESPN.com, I don't think uh, uh, gave um, their opinion or gave their um, backing to the story, if you will. So who no, had no the axe to grind? Yeah, who who had the axe to grind, do you think? 
I don't know. I don't know. No, no, no report. There was no, not even, you know, your fringe media. There was no, you know, uh, online only, or, you know, I don't even, I don't, I don't mean to, to disparage, uh, right. um, different sites, but you know, even a, even a less credible media outlet, there was no story written or broadcast about this. It was all, um, you know, essentially like uh, message board fodder. Mm. So, um, you know, uh, talking, talking, you know, in bars, essentially, uh, there was no, there was no validity, um, real validity to, to this. And with Nebraska putting out a statement from the chancellor and the president, a joint statement, you know, essentially they just alerted like 95% of the people, even in the state of Nebraska, who had no knowledge of any of this. And then outside the state of Nebraska, you're talking like a hundred percent of the people. You know, I got to I got to imagine if right. you're, you know, a member of the national media uh, who covers college sports, and you saw this come across your screen on Tuesday morning, you're going, "What in the world is this?" You know, why are they putting out this statement of support for this guy who was hired a year ago, basically to do one thing, and that was to, that was to bring Scott Frost back to Nebraska, and he successfully did it. Since then, you know, steer the ship, man. I mean, mm-hmm. keep things. Keep things going forward, um, so Scott can can take you to the promised land as a football program. I mean, they have an issue right now, for sure, with their basketball program, but that's um, that's somewhat secondary, as you guys know, uh, over uh, <laughs> over in Nebraska to to what's happening with football. Just a little bit, Mitch. Hey, Mitch, with the football side of things, spring practice here still uh, weeks and weeks away from that, but. Buzz being generated, Darian Daniels, a big grad transfer, is going to be coming in, eligible to play. Of course, Martinez back for his sophomore year and year two of Scott Frost. What's the expectation level for Nebraska? Is it eight and four? Is it winning the Big Ten West? What do people expect in year two? Well, uh, be competitive in the in the in the league. Uh, be competitive against uh, the te- you know the, the, everyone on their schedule. Um, Nebraska has. Ohio State, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Iowa, all coming to to Lincoln in 2019, and you know those were those were four road games and four road losses in 2018. Really, uh, the two in the West, well, the three in the West Division of, of the three in the West Division. Um, well, they were all close. Even Ohio State was a close game. It was a five point game in Columbus. So you know, Iowa, of course, came down to the to the last uh, to the field goal at the end. Wisconsin was uh, was not a, was maybe the the most uh, non competitive of those four. Northwestern was a game Nebraska blew at the in the last few minutes. They had it won, so I think the expectation, considering that the way that that went in 2018, is win those games in 2019. And it sounds like a lot. You know, you can go from four and eight to eight and four real quick by doing that, or even better than eight and four. I think the uh, yeah the expectation is for Nebraska to be competitive in every game that it plays and to. Uh, to look like a much improved team and to uh, to live up to um, the off season uh, talk of this being a uh, you know a top twenty five program again. Yeah, we're, we've seen, we've seen that in uh, some of the early lists that have been posted out there. You know, I do want to ask you about basketball because uh, you know as I take a look in, down down the road as far as the Hawkeye schedule, trying to get them to ten wins, which seems like the magic number where you know you can wake up on Selection Sunday and feel pretty good that the Hawks are going to hear their name called. And lo and behold, there's that Nebraska Iowa tilt in Lincoln to wrap up the uh, regular season. Copeland is now out for the year. This is a team that. 
I don't know, Mitch. I honestly thought they were going to be much better than their record is at this point. I'm not saying that they were going to be Michigan or Michigan State, but I thought for sure they would be on that next level. They're struggling to stay on that next level, even be part of it. What's going on over there? Yeah, everybody thought they were going to be better than this. Have lost four in a row now, including the road loss of Rutgers, the home losses to uh, Ohio State. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, and then this week uh, with Wisconsin coming in and, and winning in Lincoln, it's um, I mean it's going off the rails. I think um, is is uh, not too strong of a statement right now uh, to describe the basketball program in, in, in Lincoln. This was a team that you know had a great non-conference, blew out Creighton at home, got over that that hurdle that. It's haunted the program for a while with the in-state rival, beat Clemson on the road. Um, you know, had a had a just a, a real nice November and December, and looked like this may finally be a year for Nebraska. Where, as you talked about with Iowa, they're not worried about uh, anything other than their seed on Selection Sunday. And now, um, I, you know, I, I don't think you would find many people who expect that Nebraska is even going to be in the field of sixty-eight. So. Uh, the loss of Isaac Copeland, yeah, one of their most dynamic players, uh, senior leader on that team, is uh, is pretty devastating. They were thin to begin with, but um, you know, you throw into the, the, the losing and uh, you know the difficulty rebounding, the lack of depth on that team, and you mix that with the fact that Tim Miles was already on thin ice as the head coach going into this season. Um, you can imagine what. Uh, the, the disappointment of the past few weeks is done for that situation, and it's it's uh, it's all kind of going uh, in one direction in Lincoln that uh, you know the people in that program don't like. They have the support, the new arena. They have everything that it seems like you could want. But Nebraska historically, well, the only major conference team to never even win a game in the NCAA tournament. Why is Nebraska basketball never even got to that kind of level? They've they've had some nice players throughout the years. What's the reason? Is it is it strictly football? Well, I mean, they care, you know, you you go, yeah. People care care more about football than basketball, but it's not to say that basketball doesn't have fan support. You know, they draw very well at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Um, the university has put the resources into that program by building the arena, by building a great practice facility, by paying money for for coaches. Um, they have all the same support outside of their immediate sport that the football program does as far as academics and, uh, you know, training table, everything strength they, that you would need. They, they uh, on the surface, appear to have everything you would need to win. I, I, I feel and I've always felt um, being around that program in the times that I have that the same kind of urgency, the same kind of understanding about commitment, you know, deep, deep commitment within the athletic program has never existed for basketball in the same way that it does for football. Does that make football the bad guy? Is it the reason that basketball has never achieved that kind of success? You can make that case, but I think it's kind of a hollow argument. I think if you have the right, if you have the right guy, a coach who, um, you know, who cares and, and Tim miles, of course, cares a lot, but uh, I mean, I, it, it's, it's almost like they're cursed. Um, and uh, in the years where, Things have seemed to line up. There were some times like that under Danny Knee in the old Big Eight days. Um, there's just always been a reason for the the floor to fall out beneath them. And that seems to be happening again this year. So uh, let's go full circle back to football. And I know next week you got signing day. You're going to be busy at ESPN.com. And this was a story from a couple weeks back, but want to get your perspective as you follow the Big Ten so closely. 
the Ohio State coaches, now Ohio State coaches, that leave Michigan, do we read anything into that? Does it say something about Harbaugh? Does it say something about the programs? Or is it just guys looking to better their career? What did you think with a couple of guys uh, jumping and, and going to the main rival of Ohio State? Yeah, Greg Madison's a big name. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a guy that's been around coaching, leaving the defensive staff at at uh, Michigan to go to Ohio State, where Ohio State, you know, is losing its its uh, one of its top defensive coaches, Alex Grinch, to be the coordinator for Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. You know, I think it's a little bit of a case of musical chairs. Um, top programs are just going to kind of swap coaches now and then. To see it happen between Ohio State and Michigan is a little bit jarring because of the. Um, you know, the dynamic between those two schools, it's kind of like if Auburn and Alabama are, are switching coaches, which, you know, happens. Uh, there's plenty of guys. There's, there are certainly guys who've been on both of those staffs. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, both of those programs right now are going through, I guess, what you could call transitional times. I mean, at Michigan, they've got to do something different because, what you know, the, the way that these last three years have ended in kind of a tailspin, um, you know, it, it, it demands that Jim Harbaugh make some kind of a change. So you've got a transitional time there. Obviously, you've got a transitional time at Ohio State with Ryan Day coming in as head coach. He's going to put his fingerprints on that program. Not everybody on Urban Meyer's old staff is going to stick around and coach for Day. Um, and, you know, coaches just move more now than they did, especially at the top programs. Look at Alabama this offseason. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Any offseason, in fact. And the number of guys who jump and move around there are opportunities to move back and forth between college and the NFL, I think, more today than there have been in some past eras. So all of it just lends to an environment where coaches are, are transient. And, uh, you know, as a result, you, you got these programs that are that are in, uh, you know, in flux with uh, with different things. And they're going to, you know, end up having guys who, who jump from one to the other. I don't think there's a huge statement made about, um, you know, anything – significant with Harbaugh or with the Ohio State situation. It just happens that that was another good opportunity where uh, where those two coaches uh, were able to land and, um, you know, it just so happens to be their rival school. Uh, we've asked all of our guests this week, uh, you'll be no different. Mitch Sherman, who do you like on Sunday? Um, gosh, I, I don't want to pick the Patriots. I just don't. Like, I, <laughs> I, don't I don't want to see them win another one. Um, I, 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 but you'll take the Patriots to watch the Rams. But I, I yeah, I, I'm not picking against Tom Brady. Sorry, <laughs> uh, it's kind of been the consensus a lot of ways. I don't want to pick him. I don't want to pick him. It's great. Uh, thank you for what you do for us. We'll talk to you in the weeks to come. All right, good to talk to you guys. Guys, talking to you, Mitch Sherman, ESPN.com. Big Ten to Big Twelve next as we talk. With our buddy Pete Mundo, HeartlandSports.com, I want to tell you that that portion of the program is going to be brought to us by our friend, Dr. Stephen Fuller. Uh, Dr. Stephen Fuller, uh, my dentist, he's at two locations. Well, he's not at both of them. He's usually at 29th Street in Des Moines, but you can also get him in Altoona. You can find him at both. Where I was going is he's not in both places at once. Well, if anybody could do it, it's the good doctor. He's a busy guy. Dr. Stephen Fuller. Check him out online, fullerdental.net. If you're new to the area, if it's time for a new dentist, 2822 East 29th Street, Des Moines, 410 8th Street, Southwest in Altoona. Pete Mundo next. Trent and I till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, it's Keith Murphy. Catch Murph and Andy today at 2 as we talk sports and more. Listen from your home or office with Alexa. Just say, Alexa. Play 1460 KXNO on iHeartRadio. New year, new you. Hey guys, Trent Condon here for New Leaf Wellness. If you're looking to get into better health, improve that quality of life, 
Let's do it with New Leaf Wellness. You can find information online at newleafcenter.com. Click on their links to their services and see how they can help you. You can learn about testosterone replacement therapy, migraine treatments, advanced weight loss, injection therapies, food sensitivity testing, and a whole lot more. Going on, well, today, today is the day to make that phone call. Your final chance to get 20% off their food sensitivity test combined with the weight loss evaluation. Again, 20% off on that. Schedule your free consultation today by calling 650-1358. Again, 515-650-1358. Tell them the Trent sent you and you're looking to get in better health in 2019. And with Valentine's Day right around the corner, get that shopping done early. Going on right now, their farmhouse fresh skin care products. A free gift with a $15 purchase. It's all going on at New Leaf Wellness Centers and online, newleafcenters.com. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO. We are indeed Des Moines Sports Station. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports, going to join us. We did some Big Ten with Mitch Sherman. Let's do similar with Pete Mundo as we take a look at the Big 12. Uh, Pete, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Hey, I am doing uh, doing well, guys. Cold down here in Kansas City, just like up there, but uh, we're getting through it just fine. Yeah, we're trying to do our best here as well. Well, let's, uh, you know, I want to talk some Big 12 football with you in the throes of basketball season. I get it, but uh, I want to, uh, you know, get back into Big 12 football. And I want to start in Oklahoma with the new quarterback uh, in Jalen Hurts, who, you know, had such a, a pivotal role in the semifinal. Um, or in the uh, SEC championship, rather. Um, what, do you, what do you think, what's his final year of eligibility going to be like? How is he a fit for Lincoln Riley in your mind, Pete? Well, I mean, if he doesn't win a Heisman Trophy, he's a disappointment, yeah, right? True, I right? mean, it's, it's hard, to, hard <laughs> to make that case. Um, you know, I, listen, it, it, I look at the last two years with Baker Mayfield and, um, and then, of course, with Kyler Murray, and I look at it this way. You know, so much of the credit has to go back to Lincoln Riley. Baker Mayfield was a great football player, a decent athlete, won a Heisman Trophy. Kyler Murray was a great athlete. I think he's a decent quarterback. He won the Heisman Trophy. I think Jalen Hurts is a little bit of a mixture of both. He appears to have a pretty high, you know, football IQ. I hate that cliche, but just on what I've seen from the guy from Alabama, he's also a good athlete. Is he Kyler Murray athletic? No, but I think he's more athletic than, you know, what Baker Mayfield brings to the table. So I'm, I'm more fascinated to see, you know, if Lincoln Riley can do this for a third straight year and not necessarily win the Heisman Trophy with the guy, but if he can just have another fantastic season of what we've come to expect for quarterbacks under Lincoln Riley's tutelage, you know, whatever it is, 3,000 passing, 1,000 rushing, 70% completion, if he can do that again with another guy who's kind of just stepping on campus um, I know OU fans are worried about Lincoln Riley one day leaving for the NFL. He's mm-hmm. got a big pay raise. But I'd be more nervous than ever if he does this for another year with another guy. All right, Pete. K-State. Got new staff. Kleiman takes over. couple of defensive coordinators already. It's been an interesting, what, six, seven weeks on the job to this point for Chris Kleiman. Are you a fan of the hire? Is this a guy, I know the concerns are, you're jumping up a level here recruiting-wise. Overall thoughts on Kleiman, and well, before last year, Iowa State, certainly Kansas State was a dirty word around here. Your thoughts about the Wildcats going forward? 
You know, I, I, here's the thing. I, Kansas State was not going to get, like, some big-time stud. You know, Brent Venables was always a pipe dream. Right. Um, that, that's just not – he was not going to do that at this point. Um, so I think considering what the job was and, you know, what it had to offer, it's a good job. I mean, it's a Power 5 job. But, you know, you don't have a lot of talent in the state. You're still second fiddle, maybe not on the football front, but as a university, you're second fiddle to Kansas. Um, and it's you know it's a tough place to win, and you're going to be in the shadows of Les Miles. the all-time greats and Bill Snyder. I mean, it, it's a difficult yeah. job. It has to be the right guy, the right fit. And I think they made a great hire with Kleiman uh, because you know I know the other man that came up with Seth Luttrell, mm-hmm. young guy, North Texas. I I didn't want to go the younger guy route, and the reason for that is because a guy like Seth Luttrell getting his first Power Five job, still trying to prove himself. I would be afraid he would look at that Bill Snyder statue every day and get intimidated by it. Uh, Chris Kleiman, you know, guy's in his 50s. He's a grown man. He's been around the block. He knows the region well. He's, he's won national championships. I know it's at the FCS level. But he's kind of at the point in his career where he's proven enough, and he's not going to walk in there and be like, oh, if I don't win eight games my first year, they're going to get on me. He, he's done all that. He's lived a full life. He's, he's had a career. And now he's kind of just adding to it. This for him, I don't want to say it's icing on the cake because it sounds like, you know, he's some ancient guy that's uh, coming back and, you know, jumping on the sidelines. But he's done enough where he's confident in his ability, what he's done, how he's done it. And you know what? It's, it's an area of the country that he knows very well. I think he's culturally a great fit, and I think Kansas State hit a home run. I do, too. I couldn't agree with you more. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. When, when you mentioned shadow, the shadow I thought you were going to say, and you're right uh, by you know referencing Bill Snyder, I thought even though it's Kansas football, I mean, there's another coach in the same state now that's got a pretty decent resume in Les Miles as well. What do you think of that hire? Well, you know, I think with Les, it's one of those things where it makes sense for him. I mean, he wanted a job. No one was giving it to him. And this was a chance to kind of turn something around. I I think it's a great hire for Kansas, but that doesn't mean I think it works out. Mm -hmm. Um, Kansas is not a desirable job. You can argue it, or it certainly has been the worst football program in the Power Five the past five to ten years. Um, And it's not a job that a lot of people are going to take. So if you can get a guy in there that's won a national championship, I mean, my goodness, you take him, even if it was uh, pushing 15 years ago at this point, you still jump on him. But I just want to say, you know, has Les Miles learned anything from his time at LSU? And by that, I just mean offensively, the ingenuity was never there. It held him back. Uh, if his teams can play defense like they played at LSU, it's not going to matter as much. But I'd like to think a couple of years on the sidelines, allowed him to just uh, reinvigorate himself a little bit and re-energize himself and maybe learn a new thing or two. But he's certainly got the personality where at least Les Miles gets you in the door of a recruit that you were not going to get in the door of a year ago, which is a good start and kind of all you can ask for at this point if you're a Kansas football fan. One more on football, and then Trent wants to switch to basketball for you. But uh, I'm not sure if you saw Caesars Palace came out with their – uh, odds to win the national championship uh, this year in college football. And the fourth lowest price, well, I'm sure that you can guess the first three, was Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. And then at 15-1, to 1, there were a couple of schools. Ohio State was one. The other was Texas at 15-1. to 1. They're the shortest price in the Big 12. Are you in the camp that Texas is back? Oh, there's no doubt they're back. I mean, I wrote um, after beating Oklahoma, I said that they were back. And I know people jumped on me for that. No, you're right, by the way. I agree with you. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, at that point they were back. They they were, um, you know, they were ranked. They they had one loss, and I know they beat Oklahoma a few years ago as well with Charlie Strong. But that team was was having a rough start to the season. When they beat OU this year, they had already won against USC. You know, it was a different ball game. Um, and at that point, they rolled their way to the Big 12 championship. They lost, which a lot of us expected them to. But then they win the Sugar Bowl. I mean, if you don't think Texas is back. I don't know what to tell you at this point. I, you know, you can hate Texas all you want. I get a lot of Big 12 fans do. It's understandable. But Texas is back. I mean, you talked about odds. I know Sam Ellinger's got, like, you know, one of the top ten best odds to mm-hmm. win, uh, win the Heisman Trophy. Yep. They have a lot of good players coming back on both sides. The 2018 recruiting class was unbelievable. A lot of those guys played. The 2019 class is also top ten, I believe. And you're bringing back your quarterback. You know, you're bringing back Colin Johnson at wide receiver, most of the offensive line, the defense under Todd Orlando. Uh, you know, Texas is back. It's Oklahoma and Texas's conference once again, and everybody else below them, whether it's Iowa State, Oklahoma State, uh, they are now trying to get into that upper echelon. But it's going to be harder than it's been the past ten years because Texas is once again relevant. Pete Mundo joining us, Heartland College Sports on the Big Twelve. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. Hey, Pete, uh, last thing for you, basketball-wise, it's the question, uh, the most pertinent question in the Big 12. 14 in a row for Kansas. Does it continue? Are you on the Ken Miller side of things? This is a broken Kansas team. It's not what we've seen in the past. Or are you on the Condon side of things? It's Bill Self. He'll figure it out. <laughs> well, Trent, I- I'm with you, man. And, and it's, yeah. just because it's, not, it's not just because I'm like, rah-rah Kansas. Um, but no one's proven it, you know? I mean, we can sit here and say that Kansas is a broken team. I agree they are. But if they're a broken team by Kansas standards, that still means someone has to beat them. You know, you can be broken by Kansas standards, but you can still sit there and say, okay, it's a broken team. Who's going to take them down? And that's something that I, I have, you know, yet to see. I mean, yes, the loss to Texas the other night was not good. The loss to Kentucky was not ideal. They've lost three or four games. I understand that. But, you know, you have a huge matchup this week against Texas Tech, and they still have two games against Kansas State. I mean, and the two against Texas Tech. This game this weekend is the first one of those matchups. So I look at those four games as kind of deciding whether or not Kansas wins, but wins the Big 12 again this year. But until I see it with my own two eyes, I'm just not going to sit here and predict it because I've been proven wrong on this so many times <laughs> over and over and over. And there. And yeah. there, Pete. Indeed. Uh, Pete, we've asked all of our guests this. We'll ask you, uh, who wins the Super Bowl? Oh, geez. Um, the Super I, You know, I'm just going to go with Tom Brady and the Patriots. Uh, pains me to say, but um, down here in Kansas City, I, I know that they are disgusted with how that AFC Championship mm-hmm. game went. But I always think, as a fan, it's a little better when the team that beats you at least wins the whole thing. So for that reason alone, I'll say the Patriots, the final score of uh, 35-31. It's been a couple of weeks, but does, does, uh, is, is, this, is the pain, I guess, still lingering? You know, from what I can tell, it's past the point of lingering. It's now like they are not even uh, pretending as if football is still going on and there is no game this weekend as far as they're concerned. Indeed. Thank you, Pete Mundo. Great catching up with you. Thank you. Yeah, Ken, any, anytime, guys. Thanks so yep, much. Yep, good to talk to you. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports, as we bring the hour to the close. Uh, Texas Tech, Kansas. That will follow Iowa State, Texas. I did so, see Iowa State has to play after West Virginia, though. Oh, no. Yeah, so we'll get to that about one twenty.
125. On the same network? Yeah. Isn't that brutal? 803 left in the first half. We <laughs> yeah. take you to Well, Ames. CBS has Texas Tech in Kansas. Oh. We have the 11 o'clock hour next. Join us. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNR.